Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. And today we continue our journey of famous music patrons. In this episode, we'll be looking at a unique patron-composer relationship between Nadezhda von Meck and Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky. Nadezhda von Meck was born in 1831 in Smolensk, a town just to the west of Moscow. Growing up, Nadezhda lived in an upper-middle-class society of Russia. Her father was an amateur violinist, and his love of music seems to have passed on to his daughter. Nadezhda found herself an accomplished pianist and was also well-versed in literature, art, and languages. In 1847, Nadezhda married Karl Fridorovich von Meck. He worked for the Russian railway in a government position. Apparently, this position was unfulfilling, and the stipend for it was fairly low. Evaluating the situation, Nadezhda encouraged Karl to quit this boring desk job in order to lead a more fulfilling life. Well, that didn't go so well right away. This almost immediately pulled the von Mechs into poverty. At the time, they had five children, and being unable to afford any help whatsoever, Nadezhda quickly became very skilled in all manner of household tasks to keep up the family. But soon, the luck of the von Mechs would change. The Russian railroads were expanding, and Karl fell into a lucky opportunity. He became a railroad tycoon, and soon the family that had been amongst the poorest of the poor found themselves to be multi-millionaires. They had houses in various locations in Russia and across Europe, and their family eventually grew to 11 children. And all seemed well and good until, in 1876, Karl died of a heart attack. Nadezhda was devastated by this turn of events, though she did have some consolation in that Karl's entire fortune was willed solely to her. However, having always been an introverted person, this period of grief really took a toll on her. Nadezhda rarely went out in public. When she would attend concerts, she apparently was given private seats away from the rest of the crowd. Her solitude went so far that she never even went to the weddings of her many, many children. But still, she loved music. It was common in this time for the very wealthy to employ musicians to provide entertainment at a moment's notice. And Nadezhda did just that. Being a pianist herself, she employed musicians who would form a little chamber group to play with her. She employed Pyotr Danilchenko on cello, Josef Kotek on violin, and for times when she didn't feel like playing the piano herself, she had Henrik Pachulski to perform for her. And the Von Meck family also briefly employed a young Claude Debussy as the children's private piano tutor. Apparently, Nadezhda heard some of Tchaikovsky's music at a concert, and she loved it. She chatted with her employed musicians about her love of his style, and her violinist, Josef Kotek, confided that he had been a student of Tchaikovsky's while he was at the Moscow Conservatory. Kotek was instructed by Nadezhda to initiate a communication with Tchaikovsky asking for some chamber pieces to be written for Nadezhda. Tchaikovsky agreed to the plan, as it was a paid commission and he was in need of funds. 
It was from this that Nadezhda herself began writing to Tchaikovsky. In her letters, she would confide in him her every thought, happy or sad. And Tchaikovsky willingly wrote back, describing that he felt a kind of kinship with her and that they both were, quote, affected by the same disease. Misanthropy is our common sickness. seem that both parties were lonely and slightly neurotic and depressed. As the shy Tchaikovsky became more comfortable with the friendship, he too began to express his worries and woes to Nadezhka. Nadezhka commissioned several more works from Tchaikovsky in the next few months. After this, Tchaikovsky had a little mental battle with himself. He wished for Nadezhka to become his patron, but felt terrible about asking for money from his friend. In the end, he did propose the idea of her providing him with an allowance. She readily agreed, assuring him it was of no issue to provide him with such a stipend. However, she set very particular terms for their arrangement. This exchange of money was to be kept on the down low, and they would also never meet in person. Now, this actually worked out quite well for the most part. Uh, Nadezhda encouraged Tchaikovsky to travel and occasionally invited him to stay in houses on her many estates yet they never met while he was visiting. Only twice did they ever encounter each other. Once was across the room at a concert, and the other was when Tchaikovsky was out for a walk, and Nadezhda's carriage drove by. Other than that, their relationship was conducted completely in writing. Eventually, Nadezhka's allowance made it possible for Tchaikovsky to quit his job at the conservatory and devote himself full-time to composition. And this is really what he had wanted all along. He had hated teaching, but for a relatively obscure and young composer in that time, teaching was really the only way he could have made his living. And with more time now to devote to composition, Tchaikovsky was able to put out more and better works, thus launching him ever more into a life of fame and fortune. Nadezhka was pleased that her friend was successful. And even when it became apparent that Tchaikovsky was now making enough office compositions that he didn't need her stipend anymore, she still insisted on providing it. Just reading the collection of letters from Nadezhda and Tchaikovsky paints a picture of devoted friendship. Nadezhda is unwaveringly supportive of Tchaikovsky's every work, and he speaks to her as an equal, intelligent mind. They have little squabbles, of course, notably over Mozart, whom Nadezhda hated, but Tchaikovsky studied relentlessly. And Tchaikovsky even dedicated his fourth symphony to Nadezhda, saying, quote, to my best friend. However, Tchaikovsky had a few other people he was close to in life as well, notably his brothers. When the Tchaikovsky letters were first published in the 1930s, the editors also provided an appendix of these other letters written by Tchaikovsky to his brothers. Some of these letters express his exasperation that Nadezhda dotes on his music, no matter how flawed it might be. He suggests that she has a decent understanding of music for a layperson. He also expressed how he feels very tied to her financially. It seems he often attempts to stay on her good side simply to ensure his stipend would continue to be sent. These letters to his brothers therefore reveal there may have been some duplicity in the kind words he used when writing to Nijeska. However, Tchaikovsky was known to be quite narcissistic and judgmental of people in general. Most likely, he did value Nadezhda as a friend, not just as a source of income. 
Had he truly been bothered by her writings, once he was financially stable, he could have easily broke off the correspondence. This written relationship went on for 14 years, and by 1890, Nadezhda was becoming more ill from tuberculosis she had acquired as a child. Her fortune, once bottomless, was now being used up paying bills and supporting her children's families. Tchaikovsky received a letter stating that Nadezhda was no longer able to provide his stipend. With this, she could also no longer write to him. Tchaikovsky was devastated. He attempted to contact her a few times, but received a letter from her accountant saying she was no longer fit to write. Tchaikovsky got the message, and no more letters were ever sent between them. Tchaikovsky still composed for some years after the break in this relationship. However, he would pass away in 1894 from cholera. The news did reach Nadeshta, and she took it very hard. It seems, though she was incapable of writing to him, or being pressured by her family not to, she still thought highly of him and had wished him well. Her own already poor health took a steep decline, and she passed away from respiratory complications just months after Tchaikovsky. Interestingly, at her funeral, her surviving children and relatives had quite a surprise at the number of guests that appeared. Apparently, there was a large turnout of hundreds of people from the lower classes of Moscow. They had all come to mourn the loss of their kind and secretive benefactor, Nijeska von Meck. So we hope you've enjoyed this look into a relationship that allowed for much of Tchaikovsky's work to become reality, and how the relationship of patron and musician could be more than just a monetary transaction. And if you would like to support us without any monetary transactions, please consider sharing this episode with a friend and leaving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Tchaikovsky's String Quartet No. 1 was performed by the Boromir String Quartet, and the season's June was performed by Peter Bradley Fulgiani. You can find The Coffeehouse on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.